All right, welcome to this edition of Establish the Edge. I am very pumped to have Anthony Amico on the show, who's doing our Dynasty Ranks over at Establish the Run. And we also have Pat Crane, formerly doing the Establish the Run Dynasty Ranks, and is now over at NBC Sports Edge, working full-time for them. Pat, how's it going? It's going good. This is going to be fun. Yeah, so what we're going to do here is basically do a mock draft of the first round, maybe the second round, depending on time, of Superflex tight end premium dynasty rookie drafts. You know, if we were doing our dynasty rookie drafts, knowing what we know now, five weeks into the season, last year, Pat and I did this with Silva, and it was pretty interesting with like the running back shakeup last year, and because we had kind of looked at stuff pre-draft, post-draft, and then into the season, and this year... It's, it's interesting in a lot of ways, like some of the quarterbacks are playing, but struggling. And then Jamar Chase is just an absolute boss. We finally saw Kyle Pitts do well. So, and then as far as the receivers go, like we, we've had some mixed performances there. So I'm interested to see how you guys feel. Amico, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Always good to talk to you guys. You know, I feel like I haven't, I haven't talked to Pat since the draft. So this is, this is kind of perfect. Oh, wow. All right. right. Well, let's let's let Pat kick it off. Pat, you're you're the guest of honor here. We're gonna give you the first overall pick, which I don't I don't know if I'm doing you a favor because I feel like it might be easier to pick like second or third. And you're take, not take the left. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be easier to have the the third pick, I think, and that's what makes this exercise interesting. I think that right now, in some ways, like not a ton has changed for Superflex, at least like the way I think through things. Um, I generally want to value quarterbacks like with these quarterbacks because they have such a high floor of value, you know, unless they completely bust, you know, like you don't need that much to go right before you can basically pick whatever wide receiver in the league that you wouldn't want to trade them for, um, or running back. So I'm going to go ahead and take Trey Lance, who was not the one one but just showed a rushing floor, um, or rushing element, I guess I should say. That is incredibly exciting. He's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers for the next two, three years at a minimum. He's got a very big arm. That arm is not accurately throwing the ball yet, but I think it will. And I just think that what he's shown with this rushing ability gives him a much higher ceiling than Trevor Lawrence. Pretty easy for me to imagine him being like the 2023 102 or 103 in a startup draft. And what risk am I really taking on by, by adding Trey Lance? So he's my one-on-one right now. Yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll go to Miko. Let's go to you. Let's get through the first three and then we can kind of talk through them. Yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to take Lawrence here cause I, I would have taken him first. Um, but I think it's the margins are like really thin on these guys. I, um, I just don't know if I'm ready to, to move off of Lawrence yet. I mean, he's still, I know, I know, like, he, he's been mixed, but he has been running, which is good. Like, he's probably, like, a 505 guy on the ground, which is, like, very, very livable. Like, I, I feel pretty similar to how I felt about, like, Andrew Luck and, and those kind of guys where it's like, oh, he's just the guy. Like, you know, like, two, three years out, like, he's going to be the number one pick. Doesn't really disappoint in college. He becomes that guy. Like, that's kind of how I feel. So, you know, Lance, I love, definitely think that the rushing, like Pat said, is – is really valuable, but I think Lawrence gives enough where I just feel like like his range of outcomes is probably a little tighter. And in Superflex, I think that matters to me a little bit more. Whereas, like in a one quarterback format, I'm probably willing to swing more on the ceiling just because quarterback is so replaceable. Yeah, Lawrence. I mean, that was kind of the argument. Even I, I was even in my head like, man, I kind of want to take Lance ahead of Lawrence. You know, before the season started, just being obsessed with that ceiling and I guess it, yeah a lot hasn't really changed there you know Lance has the ceiling Lawrence probably a bit better in terms of like likelihood of playing you know five plus years or something and you're banking that value so you can always reassess that though you know what I mean like mm -hmm. yeah. you don't have to make a commitment to this guy for five years you make a commitment for you know half a year one year um that's why I think with Lance, like, it's it's hard for me to imagine how he doesn't have a ton of value entering next season. Uh, 
you know, I guess if they keep Garoppolo around and he just, like, doesn't push him for the starting job, maybe. But they just traded up for him, took him three overall. I don't think that's happening. So yeah. it's really, like, you kind of get a free look. And the look that we've had so far is that he could be, you know, like a, a fourth-round redraft pick next year. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he's I definitely think... someone that's going to project well, right? Like, he was going like in the 10th round at best balls this year, and we weren't even sure that he was going to start. If he's projected for, you know, a full slate of games, like he's going to be like, I would imagine like a top seven quarterback in redraft next year. So that's definitely, that's definitely a good point. That's where, you know, Pat, when he was doing the show with me, it like would constantly hit on trying to think of things in terms of the trade value a year out. And when you do reframe that, you start to see where it might be Lance over Lawrence. But it's pretty tight. Amico on our updated rankings has them, you know, back to back in the the overall Superflex tight end premium ranks. Eleven. I think it's close too. I don't think it's yeah. Yeah. I think the next one for my picks like almost a coin toss too between. I think I think it's Pitts or Chase over Fields. I don't know if I'm being too reactionary to like just how. Like like the coaching staff has used Fields, which isn't Fields' fault and like probably isn't an issue long term, but I think we've seen enough out of Pitts and Chase that I, I'd have them ahead of Fields. And man, I think I slightly lean Chase just because I feel a little bit better about that value. Um, like I mean, he's what first in yards per route run right now with the, the amount of routes that he's run. I think he's absurd. It's just lining up with everything we thought like all the hype around him you know best wide receiver prospects in samari cooper and we're, we're seeing it immediately right away but that that's another tough one so i'm interested to see pat if you go fields or pits throwing it back to you God, i'm gonna go fields uh i don't feel great i actually i would have taken chase over fields but i'm fields over pits um and honestly i might be Pitts might might not be my next guy after Fields. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm surprised it's tight. by that. It's tight. Um, I've got some thoughts. We'll get to that. But the thing with Fields, right? We need them to basically clean house for him to really have the value that we want. But I think they made the commitment to him in the first round. Nagy was already kind of like a little bit on the hot seat. There's no way they don't commit to Fields over Nagy if Nagy can't deliver value out of fields so in some ways what we've seen from fields recently is not the worst case scenario what's the worst case scenario is if it gets a little bit better but not good enough to where we're actually excited because that might save Nagy's job this is fine because it's getting Nagy fired in like three more games um I guess maybe <laughs> not after they got the win but but we want we want Nagy out of the, I've, I've seen enough to where I want I want fields to have a different coaching staff I don't think this is going to be a good marriage but and that's not a good position to be in with a quarterback. But what he showed in the preseason, he does have the, the athleticism, the rushing ability. Another guy who, I mean, he can make big plays down the field. Um, I really like his skill set. I think he's a good player. Uh, I'm, I'm going to basically ride out the bad coaching situation for a year. And the same type of thing, like in about a year and a half, I'm probably getting, if you know, if things go right, I'm getting any wide receiver almost, any running back almost in the entire league for Justin Fields, unless it's just a total disaster and I'm willing to take that chance. It's I, I know like I think channeling the long view is important here, but it is kind of nuts. Like if you had told me before this season that there'd be that Justin Fields would have a three game stretch where he scored like I don't know. Did, has he, did he even get to 30 fantasy points over those three games combined? It's like so I, bad. I would have bet so much money that you, on the over on that. Like it's, I mean, it's tough to do in modern day football to have a three week stretch like that from like a pure pocket passer quarterback, let alone someone that can run like Fields does. It's been really disappointing. I'm with you, like totally out on the coaching staff there. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the issue, right? Like the game that he comes in. Again, since he like Dalton gets hurt, he comes in, he runs the ball ten times, and then in the next three games where they're like game planning for him, he has nine total carries. They're game like, planning against him is a better. It's way out. It's outrageous. Pat like even, <laughs> you know, DM'd me on Discord. He's like, yeah, uh, he only ran the ball three times, but two of those were kneel downs. 
Like, yeah, because on Wake and Rake, you mentioned that he ran the ball, you know, and I was like, no, dude, because I did this. Not even. Know, not even. Because I noticed it's like, you know, you look at his scrambles versus actual, uh, you know, his scramble yards versus like regular yardage, the regular yardage is lower. So I literally went back in the game log and it's like, yep, two minus ones to close the game. Those are those are his only two from week four. Those were his only two atten- um, called rushes. And so the pre the preseason, he was running a ton. Like I remember Levitan was almost like, man, Fields is running a lot more than Lance. Like maybe we should think about this. And now we see like in the real games and like very quickly, it's like the opposite. So it's just kind of wild how how that's turned out. So I know I'm yeah, I just want to say on Lance, that's another thing. Another reason I'm willing to kind of take the leap with him is that it comes with Shanahan and the fact that, you know, we had a prior that he was going to use Lance a lot more intelligently than Nagy was going to use fields. And that's another prior that looks like, you know, it it was a good one. Uh, That's been kind of confirmed or made stronger by the data we've gotten since. So it's kind of like a chase situation where we, we thought the situation was going to play out like this. It has so far, and that makes me feel more comfortable taking that that leap of faith. All right, Amico, I know who you're picking. Make it official. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Like, he's the guy. He's the last guy in this tier if you're going to include Fields, which I think is fine. Um, I mean, we have him as our tight end one in the rankings. I think that that's still right. Like, he's still so young. Uh, and we're seeing, we see him being used as a receiver. I know last week he had the benefit of being, like, the only legitimate weapon on the field uh, outside of CPAT, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on. Give the guys but, uh, but, but Pitts is like, Pitts is that guy. Now, I mean, I think that the development curve may be a little steeper than we initially thought, but he's still going to put up, you know, for a tight end, a pretty outrageous rookie season. Um, you know, even if he took away the last game, like he was still kind of on pace to, to see like really good usage. Uh, you know, eventually that's going to turn into yardage. So, yeah, I still feel really good about the Pitts arc. I think that he's going to be pretty dominant. We got an airport in the backyard now, too. Yeah, it's a uh, some kind of aircraft going right by my apartment. Uh, yeah, I think he's like the, you know, even with a slow start, with just that one good game last game, I think he's up to tight end four now on the season. Obviously, Andrews went nuclear, so he passed him. But, yeah, I think I would have taken Pitts ahead of field. So I'm interested in who Pat would have taken ahead of because I feel like the guy I'm going to take is a guy that you're not really in on, but I'm going to go break the running back seal and take Najee Harris. Let's go, at this Leon. Point. Take him. Yeah. Um, I just think, I mean, like the, the utilization for Najee Harris is huge, and there are definitely concerns with any running back long-term, but again, like if you're channeling that, like what's the trade value in a year? I mean, Najee Harris, year two, it's just going to be really, really high with – and especially the past few weeks, too, we've really seen the utilization of the pass game. You know, the first couple weeks, you know, he was kind of a few checkdowns here and there. Obviously, we saw the one absurd game versus, what was it, versus the Packers? Not versus the Packers. Was it the Packers game? Or we saw the one absurd game where he had, I think, you know, it was the, it was the Bengals game where he had, like, the most running back targets, like, 19, almost. yeah. Yeah, it was insane. But even last week in a script that wasn't like that pass heavy, you know, he was seeing a really strong target share. So I will go with Najee. Yeah, I would have taken Najee over Pitts. Um, and the reason for that, and I wasn't that in on Pitts at all, or that in on Najee at all. Um, although I was, I was probably a little bit more bearish on Pitts as well. So it's not... Uh, why do, you hate give a shit? Why do you hate Pitts? Yeah, dude? sorry, yeah, guys. Dude. Start liking good players. My gosh. Well, like with Najee, you, you talk about like the, the value. He moves up in my regular dynasty ranks like every time I update them. Because we're getting to a point where his usage is so absurd. So, you know, his snap share is just so high. Entering year two, potentially with a new quarterback, like if they get someone, if they get like Garoppolo or, or some stopgap guy, I mean, Pitts is going to be. What's he get? He's gonna be like the 106 in regular startup drafts, you know. People Najee, are gonna be all over. Yeah. yeah, Najee. Sorry, I said Pitts. My bad. Um, Najee's gonna be, and they might be higher than that. He might be like, you know, top three, top four in regular startup. So with Harris, you're also 
gonna pe- gonna feel pretty good about that guy in redraft because we've now seen the target share. He's entering year two. Much more likely that he can actually put it together and deliver one of these elite seasons. And I just think we're way better, even though we're not that great at it. We're still way better at projecting this running back stuff, especially at the high end, than we are with these tight ends. Like Dalton Schultz is breaking out right now. Like we're just not very good at knowing where these tight end breakouts come from. You know, TJ Hawkinson kind of had it all. He's got everything lining up, the profile, great prospect. Now he's getting the volume, starts to look like he's breaking out. Then teams game plan for him, and it's looking like maybe he's not that guy. Uh, He could be, but, you know, it might not be this year. Noah Fant, similar story. Like, Noah Fant's not that much worse of a prospect than Kyle Pitts. And who knows what Noah Fant's going to be. He might be fine. Like, the needle that you have to thread for the for Pitts to actually be worth what you have to pay to get him, it's it's a it's a very thin bet, I think. And not to say like he's he's like the best guy to kind of come into the league, us peg him as that guy, and then he actually delivers. Like he's the best bet we've had maybe ever. But I still think we're overly confident in our ability to predict a position where we just are constantly proven wrong. Like George Kittle didn't see him coming. Darren Waller didn't see him coming. Travis Kelsey didn't really see him coming. There were some there were some guys that really liked Travis Kelsey, but it was what? Like a third round pick. He had a major injury coming in. Like if we get this like right, it'll basically be the first time we've ever done it. So Pat I'd rather I'd rather take Najee. This time it's different. <laughs> yeah. Pat, I'd like to point you to some uh, old Rotoviz articles when Darren Waller was a receiver prospect. That would that Yeah, we would, liked uh, him. <laughs> we liked him, but he was what? He was a fifth, sixth round pick, you know. <laughs> It's just like there's a lot of guys, you know. We we take our shots. You want to keep your stabs at this position cheap, yeah. And you want to and you want to take a lot of them because if you hit a guy, if, if there's a ton of value in it. But you know, I guess Gronk was a, a great prospect and pretty widely regarded. I wasn't really playing tight end premium at that time, so I'm not sure if people were on him in a well, huge he had way or not. Injury but stuff in college. He, I mean, yeah, he was that's like true. A second round pick. So that's like, true. In in real life, so. Yeah, I think the case for Pitts is, I think you're right in that maybe we're overconfident in the probability of like it happening, whatever it is. But if he does hit, I think he's someone that people are going to like pay an irrational amount to get Kyle Pitts on their team. It's not really that risky to take Pitts because you're going to be able to move out of him extremely easily. Uh, So I I don't see it as a problem to take him even over fields, but... I would, at this point, I'd just rather have Harris because going into next year, my team, I'm going to feel a lot better about my team. I think Harris is also now has a very high value floor. Like, who, like if I'm in on Harris, who's not in on Harris? Like, I was skeptical of him as a prospect, yeah. and now I'm like, I would really like to have Harris on my <laughs> dynasty teams. That's, yeah, that's, that's the good test case. Like, if I want Harris, <laughs> everybody wants Harris. All right, so I get Harris six. Pat, it's back to you. Uh, I think like like a pretty clear teardrop in my opinion. Um, so yeah, back to you. Seventh pick. You did this on purpose. I know. I did put you in a tough spot where you like kind of like do you double down? And I was right there with you with the the person that I think. And he's seventh in Amico's ranks. Let's see if you reveal who it is. So Zach it's, Wilson. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's the worst pick ever. <laughs> There's like eight tier breaks between the guys we just took and Zach Wilson. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I mean, I'd love to take Rashad Bateman. If I'd ever seen him play in an NFL game, I'd probably do it. <laughs> but I can't do that. So uh, I have to take Zach Wilson, who's probably bad. But the Jets are going to stick with him. And he's a quarterback. And he's like, I mean, the worst case scenario for him is still probably like Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, you have multiple cell windows on, including right now, by the way, when like he was basically not worth anything heading into the mm-hmm. season uh, for a quarterback. So I know I'm going to get a cell window on, on Zach Wilson. It might not be till like mid next year, but you know he showed a little bit of life uh, in Week Four. Then he immediately died again in Week Five. But Week Four was nice. Uh, God, I hate this pick, dude. What? It's so funny because I feel like at the draft. We, I, we were like kind of on the same page with the Wilson thing, where it's like, he's still the number two pick. Like, we think he's going to run a little bit. He has job security. Like, he has value. 
And now, like yep. after five games, like I, <laughs> like after seeing the five games, like damn, like, he might really suck. And he's not really running that much. I, that's the yep. thing with he's still for a quarterback. Me, like, I, I still think I would have him seventh too. And we we were all on that same page. Like people are overconfident that he's bad. That doesn't mean he's not going to be bad, but people are overconfident in it. And but I did think he was going to run. I mean, he's not running at all. Yeah, like, I'm hoping that all. that's just like you know because he's a rookie and not it's. You know, like they're not going to call anything for him right now. Yeah, I'm just worried because that that was like me projecting a little bit. Like, oh, I think this guy's going to run more when he gets, you know, to the NFL level, run more than people think. Whereas, like Fields, like we know Fields is eventually going to run. He's eventually like, going to run. Right. Like if you look at his his college numbers and like his forty time, like he's and what he, even just what he did in the preseason, what Amico said, what he did the game he came in when Dalton got hurt, but Wilson. There's not that same level of confidence. There's not that same prior on it. Um, but I, I still think he's probably seventh. Do you think, Amika, I'll throw it to you. You're up next. Uh, do, do you think, like, how close do you think it is between him and Mac Jones? Well, now I think it's really close because I, if, if Wilson's not going to run, then I don't really see a humongous difference between him and, and Mac Jones. I mean, they're both already starting. They, they're both, like, the only quarterback on the roster. Like, you know, like uh, three months ago, we were kind of like, when is Mac Jones going to start? Like, is Cam Newton going to be the starter? That is already gone. Uh, I mean, they're going to just roll with them right now and for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, you talk about, like, a cell window. Like, that's going to happen with Mac Jones, too. Like, I mean, he had the good game uh, against Tampa. Um, at some point, they may add, like, a legitimate NFL receiver that is, like, going to score touchdowns and, and make big plays and all this stuff. Like, no offense to Jacob Myers, but, like, yeah. he's not a one. He's, he's, a, he's a professional wide receiver. He's a professional. He's a professional. Stone professional, not a one. So, like, there's going to be more to come with Mac Jones in terms of in terms of value. Um, so, And he obviously doesn't run at all. So, like, without the rushing, I think that they're, they're pretty comparable. I think Mac Jones is good. So, you got right, that Which that it. helps, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're pretty close. And then we get to kind of like your pick of the wide receivers, I feel like. And it's it's tough. I mean, we've seen some good signs from, you know, we've seen Waddle utilized quite a bit, like a little bit differently than we thought. We've seen Devonta Smith be targeted more heavily than expected. Rondell Moore is playing really well. Bateman hasn't played, and yet I feel better about Bateman already just given what's happening with Baltimore. So, like, in a way, his stock is, like, almost up a little bit for, for me. Almost. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who Pat's picking next. I'm going to take Devonta Smith, though. Just, you know, he had the, you know, really strong draft capital. I know he's a Rotoviz guy. They were really on him for just kind of, like, the absurd college production, even though he was a four-year guy. Um, like relative to his age, it was still pretty strong. And I'm just really surprised by what Philadelphia is doing. You know, they're really high in pass rate over expectation. I hate to like overrate these short-term things because we do want to keep the long view and like just the talent of the player, like situation can change, but it's a new coach in Philadelphia. It's probably gonna be around for a little bit. And the fact that they're you're willing to target Devonta really heavily, he's been pretty useful from fantasy without breaking a big play. And we kind of know those big plays are in him. And they're going to throw a lot. And, like, Hurts looks good, too. Like, what if this is, like, the start of something for Philadelphia where, I mean, if Hurts continues to play well, I think they would stick with him, even though, like, it's clear they haven't made a strong commitment to him. So uh, I'll go with Devonta Smith as the uh, second wide receiver off the board. I like that. Um, <clears throat> I've come up on, on Pitts quite or on uh, Devonta Smith quite a bit. Uh I'm actually not going to take Bateman here, even though I really want to. But I'm going to take Javante Williams, who okay. I just feel like what the situation that he's in. I mean, you want to talk about like value increase. Like, how does he not jump up significantly in value entering next year? And we're seeing pretty much everything we want to see. Um, even if they stick with Bridgewater next year, like it's a functional offense for the most part. It's not like. You're not dying to have pieces of it, but were Javante Williams to have this backfield to himself, we'd be excited about that. He had that really nice run last week. Doesn't clearly doesn't have like the true breakaway speed, but can make guys miss. Like that seems to be translating. He gets it used a little bit in the receiving game. 
I think we're potentially have a road to him becoming a workhorse. Um, Dwayne McFarland, sorry to cut you off, but like Dwayne McFarland tweeted something like he's being used in every situation. He's just splitting time with Melvin, but he's being used in all the situations. Right, which is amazing because Gordon's going to be out of there very likely at the end of the year. So, And even before that, we could see Williams basically take over the role. So my head here says Javante Williams. My heart would pick differently. <laughs> you might still get your guy. We'll see. Amico, yeah. I, I, you're up, Amico. It's cheating for me. I'm looking at Amico's race. I'm just like, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just get glossed over, Pat. I mean, you're, you know... We want to hear what you have to say about these. Um, I mean, I'm going with Waddle. Like, I, I think all these guys are pretty close. I thought Waddle and Smith and a couple of the guys that haven't been taken yet were all pretty close, like pre-draft. Um, like, this is all kind of like one big tier for me. And and Waddle has still been used pretty heavily. Uh, the target share is good. The ADOT is low. I think that we kind of expected that, but not in this way. Obviously, like, we didn't expect Percept to come in. I think coming into the year, my expectation was, you know, Fuller's the deep guy. Devante is like the, you know, contested catches guy. And then Waddle is like doing all this stuff underneath because he's fast. And, you know, he already has done that with Tua. And then, you know, next year Fuller's gone. And that kind of expands Waddle's route tree. So I, I think we're still on track for the second part. Um, but we could actually get that earlier. I mean, Fuller's already hurt. Tua's coming back this week. So I'm really, I'm really excited, I guess, to see kind of how that develops. Um, I mean, it's no secret that Jacoby Brissett is just not going to be able to get the ball down the field consistently like they were just thinking and ducking with him. So, you know, I want to see what it looks like with Tua back, but I I think that Waddle already looks promising because the targets are already there, and that was something that I think could have been, like, the biggest question mark coming into the And the, the routes. Play. Yeah. He's playing, a, he's playing more than I thought he might. Yeah. All right, I'll do Pat a favor. I'll leave him his guy. I'm going to take Rondell Moore. Uh, I was really, Rondell Moore is my highest exposure best ball player. So just caveat, there's some bias involved in this. But I feel like we're really seeing what we want, which is like he's making plays in a variety of ways. They've gotten him the ball in carries like those, you know, he, I think he like almost scored a touchdown on one of those, you know, shovel passes where he's coming in motion uh, in the first game. He scored on a broken play. He's just, I think he's fitting in kind of how we hoped. And like AJ Green is not going to be a threat long term. Like, not that he would play AJ Green's position, but there's just going to be more opportunities to see the field and to run more routes eventually. So uh, I really like these young players that flash on a per route, per target basis with the knowledge that they're going to, you know, they're just going to get more work. So I'll go with Rondell. I do really like Bateman because he's like such a good prospect and we're already seeing the plus stuff with Baltimore, but him not seeing the field yet gives, you know, puts the tiebreaker for me to Rondell. And I I think Rondell is a really good pick. Um, I think this tier is very, very flat. Um, Basically once the two quarterbacks are off the board and even with those quarterbacks, like I, I don't think it'd be crazy to take Smith, Javante Williams, Rondell Bateman over the quarterbacks probably probably not the way to go from a value perspective but defensible yeah I mean I'm taking Rashad Bateman uh, Amico's written uh, very very convincingly about you know how important early declare is uh, which Rashad Bateman is he had a 36% dominator rating as a true sophomore 48% as a junior in which I believe Evan Silva says he was bad in that year but uh, the the numbers the numbers say he was quite good <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he was also playing out of the slot in 2020, uh, and he wasn't as effective in yards per run, although he was still pretty solid. In 2019, uh, he led the he led uh, the nation in yards per route run from the outside, and uh, that versatility, I think, is something that is really exciting. This is kind of like the Justin Jefferson thing, where you see the guy, he play inside and out. That's one, it, it's a way for him to get on the field, and then two, it provides a reason for him to never leave the field once he's earned his his role. Um, and with this Baltimore offense, you now have Sammy Watkins having the hamstring issue right as Bateman finally looks like he's going to debut. The thing that is interesting about Watkins is that he was targeted pretty heavily on his routes. Yeah. He had a yards per route run over two. I believe his yards uh, target per route run was, was 21%. 
um, and you're seeing a really nice, uh, yeah, 21% for Watkins, 21% for Andrews, 23% for Marquise Brown. So highly condensed offense right now. If Bateman can take over that Watkins role, uh, you know, over the course of this season and hopefully potentially starting this week, that's a pretty valuable role and much more valuable than we're used to seeing. The big question mark with him when he's drafted by Baltimore in the first round, I was very bullish on that because I think that first round draft capital matters a lot, like beyond all the things that we like statistically in his profile. That's the Ravens signing off on his character, signing off on their their plans to use him, you know, like all of these signing off on his film in a big way, like all of these other things that aren't in the numbers, the Ravens are signing off on. So that first round draft capital is big. And then all of a sudden the Ravens are throwing the ball. They have a pass rate over expected of zero, which is tied with like four teams for 17th in the league. So they're like middle of the pack all of a sudden in pass rate over expected. Uh, They have this gear now where they actually will throw, uh, Last week, they had a pass rate over expected of 8%. Week four, they were at 6%. Week three, they were at 6%. So they, they've gone run heavy. They were minus 17% in week two. We expect that they will be run heavy in a number of weeks going forward. But the fact that they even have this gear at all in any weeks is not something that we thought we'd ever get from the Ravens, or it was kind of a pipe dream. So just the fact that they can go pass heavy at times is really, really bullish for him. And I think the fact that Marquise Brown is having kind of a breakout right now isn't bad either, because... He's a lid lifter. He helps the value of the entire offense. So if this offense is going to be moving towards the pass and they all of a sudden have playmakers who are consistently getting open, making big plays, this might be like a fun passing offense. Yeah, I mean, 440 yards the other day, even if it was an overtime game, was pretty nuts. I do have to ask you, uh, Drew Dinkmeyer will kill me if I don't ask you, Marquise Brown or Rashad Bateman in Dynasty, who do you have and how close is it? Yeah, let me pull up the exact rank. Uh, I mean, my gut says Bateman, but I always do when I, need, I check like what I. Let's go. Dink Pat. was ranting and raving to us about how disrespected Marquise Brown is. He is disrespected. I had to move him up a bunch today because I was like, "That's that's pretty low, Pat. What were you, what were you doing there?" Um, yeah, I think I, the hype he had last year, like it just left a sour taste in people's mouths where they were like almost too hard on him just because the expectations had been so high last year. Yeah, I have I have Bateman first. Um and in in non super flex I have Bateman 39th in non super flex because I'm just totally in the tank. Uh and I have yeah, Marquise at sixty six. So you've got uh you've just declared open war on Drew Dinkmeyer. There will be a scheduled twelve round bout. And we will get that. Well, you know, I mean, the reasoning is sound, though, I think, because I I feel like if the like if Bateman works out, he's going to be doing things at different target depths. Like I'm I'm kind of expecting Brown, like not to be like a pure specialist, but like, you know, now he's seeing like eight to ten targets, like seven, ten targets. Like if that's well, six, six targets or seven targets, like can he keep scoring a touchdown a game? Like, I don't know. Like Bateman's going to I think I feel like Bateman with similar target volume, will score more points per target because he's going to be lower eight odds and have a higher catch rate. Um, well, give Brown, you know, some credit. He's going to body guys up in the red zone and uh, be basically <laughs> like DK Metcalf down there. So well, I don't want to say why he was pigeonholed. What what about him would make you think that? Is, it, is, that, he's, is that he's 168 pounds? Or? <laughs> he's one and a half, two, two Atwells, though. Oh, my goodness. All right, Amico, you're up. I'm I'm changing this on the fly, honestly, because I I'm I'm looking at my ranks. I'm going against my own ranks. I'm going to edit them after the show. Uh, I mean, I, I I think it has to be Tony. Um, and and I think that the reason why is like we've already we've well number one we've already seen obviously the huge game right like once you have a game like that a big game. That, I think, to me, eliminates some of the red flags. Like, he has the first on draft capital, which we know is the is one of the most important things. He does have a good athletic profile. The collegiate profile, traditionally, is terrible. But a lot of that, a lot of the things that people are saying about why that is acceptable becomes a little more re- realistic when he's, like, you know, burning the defensive player of the year in week five. So... I feel a little better about Tony. I think Elijah Moore would have been the pick here for me originally. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, like, 
Corey Davis is already being targeted pretty heavily by Zach Wilson. Like, I'm not really seeing that same connection with Daniel Jones or whoever the quarterback may be in the future and Kenny Galladay. Uh, obviously, Galladay is not going anywhere. Neither is Davis. But I don't know. Like The Tony, the Tony breakout game to me, like, I just want to be pretty aggressive right now in reacting to that because like to me absolute worst case scenario like i can cash that in yeah i feel like like immediately on some of these receivers we've seen in past years you know we saw with terry mclaurin and we've seen it at times like it does seem like it's worth moving pretty quickly on these guys like almost blindly um when you see like a really high-end game like tony had uh I don't, I don't know. It's tough because it's coming with a guy whose profile we really didn't like. And it also, on one hand, like it came when stuff happened that created a whole ton of target volume for him. But at the same time, like that's kind of the point of everything that we're doing is like there's going to be so much chaos over like three to four years that he, he produced, you know. And it was two pretty good games too. Like he was pretty good the week before. Like I was impressed. Yeah. And then... I was also surprised the way he was successful, which maybe was fluky, but like he he caught some like like he like he caught like a jump ball down the sideline mm-hmm. at one point. So I think Tony's good there, and that like le- honestly like at this point I'm I'm like out of my element. Like definitely listen to Pat and Amico more than me once we start getting to this point in the draft. I think I would take I don't know. I think I'd go Elijah more here. Um, just seen the way you know the the preseason camp reports were like so good on him, and he you know he forced his way onto the field right away, and I think that's a really positive sign, even if we haven't seen the actual production in real games yet. Yeah, I, I would have taken more over Tony, but I think Tony's totally defensible there. Uh, he had fifty percent target per route run last week. He was targeted on half his routes. That's like that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that like st- I mean, stupid. CJ Ward being the second receiver probably helps that, but you know, it does. It's still but outrageous. He has to get open for that to happen. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, Deontay Johnson wasn't that good of a prospect either, and he's mm-hmm. you know gotten open at will. Um, we're wrong about some of these guys, so I think it's uh, it's a good idea to move quickly on Tony. I will say to an extent, like I'm willing to kind of be behind the curve on this a little bit um, because my prior of him as a prospect, you know, was that he was like quite bad. Like this was a big reach by the Giants. Um, And, you know, this is why basically all my friends are rich with NFTs and and I'm not. Is that like I'm always thinking, like, what am I going to be left with here? And uh, I don't want to be left holding a Kadarius Tony bag. Like, I'm just not going to feel good about myself. <laughs> so, so it's like, if you, with Tony, like, if if I'm not really buying into him at all, and it's really just that he's producing, well, he is producing because everyone's hurt. And we don't know, we don't actually know that he's going to be playing in the slot like he should be with step with Shepard on the outside. Like, that's the rational thing for them to do now is to move Shepard to the outside where he's worse, but that'll help Tony. He's the first round pick. That's who they should build this around, but they might not do that. Maybe they'll have them split it. Like they could screw this up. And if the production evaporates and it looks like kind of a blip, then I'm left holding this guy that I don't believe in at all. And Mm -hmm. I just hate being in that position in dynasty. So not that I don't want to move him up. I've moved him up considerably, but I still would rather take a guy like Elijah Moore where he actually he has pretty decent underlying numbers, uh, 20% target per route run. Like, uh, it's not that bad. His yards per target sucks. And, yeah, you know, the quarterback Zach play Wilson. is not what we want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. So, so it, it could be a problem. But at the same time, there's not really strong evidence that he's not good. It's just that um, maybe the situation around him is a little bit more poor than we thought it was. So... Uh, I'd rather stick. And when I say his yards per target sucks, by the way, he has a 3.3 yards per target. He's been targeted on 20% of his routes. So that's good. A 3.3 yards per target, but his eight out is 14.7. So he's a deep threat who's run really, really bad on his targets. That so can flip like, in an instant. Like two big plays, like called back too, like on. Yeah. Either on like penalties and stuff, which like, then that's why yards per target is so noisy because it's like you throw those in all of a sudden his yards per target's like. Maybe not good, but it's like seven instead of three. Like it's literally double. Like on one of those plays, like it's 
it's pretty wild. So, the, and I don't know if we want to keep going like pick by pick, but or maybe it might just be better to talk about positional groups from here on out. But running back, the guys that interest me and like what you guys would do with them, ETN with the injury stuff, Sermon, like they just hate Trey Sermon in San Francisco. Like I'm pretty high on Kenny Gainwell, like very clearly the number two already. And like, what if he passes Miles Sanders and he seems like he's pretty good too. And then Michael Carter, you know, still a committee there, but he's been a, a decent part of it. So, and then I, I guess your boy Ramondre too would be kind of piggybacking uh, there with with everything that's going on in New England. He's got an opportunity. He was active last game. He started to play more when Harris fumbled. And then I guess if we were throwing a final name to just pair with Trey Sermon, like Elijah Mitchell in that group, like ranking Elijah Mitchell versus Trey Sermon's really. Oh, I have Mitchell considerably ahead. So Miko has Sermon ahead. I think I would have Mitchell ahead too, because I just, but I got, I like, I liked Mitchell as like, we all fall in love with like our six round dart throws. Right. And like Mitchell was that guy for me, like in rookie drafts. So like to see him get in there and like, I mean, his first game back was like a really big tell to me, like that sermon's not even close, you know, first game back, the snaps weren't close. So Amico, why do you have sermon still ahead of Elijah Mitchell? Which I think I is mean, I just, draft capital, but I'm just yeah. I, d- I just believe in the draft capital long term. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Like Mitchell is clearly the guy right now over Sermon, but you know, for starters, like when Lance is the starter, like that that pie is gonna be like, like they're gonna be super run heavy. It looks like right now. Um, so if Sermon can even take a part of that, like he has a chance to to show that that he's better than Mitchell. I have no idea why this is the way that it is, but this is like every Kyle Shanahan thing of the yeah. last like five years. Um, and I, I just feel like the market probably still believes in Sermon to an extent. So I don't want to like, I don't want to like bury him. And, and now I'm behind on a guy that everyone else likes. I'm going to like sell low on, on someone that, I mean, I literally, if he start if he starts this week, like he's going to be right back up to where he was you know, three weeks ago. Yeah. It's tough for me because like long view, I like waiting that draft capital a little bit more, but then at the running back position specifically, like I'm so nervous about any of these guys long-term that I have a tendency to be like, well, Elijah Mitchell is the guy that could go nuts the next few weeks and the rest of the yeah. season, just cause he's getting the opportunity now. Yeah. And like in a redraft league, if someone sent you Trey Sermon for Elijah Mitchell, you'd like be pissed. You'd be like, absolutely not. Like I'm, I have the starter. Do you want to trade me the backup? So I think that type of thing does factor in here, partly because these guys were pretty close as prospects if you just take the draft capital away. Like in, in some ways, they're like extremely similar. They're both you know yeah. highly elusive, kind of incomplete players, decent in the passing game, not great. And yeah, the draft capital matters, but very quickly, the guy who's taken second passes the guy who's taken ahead of him. The guy who's taken ahead of him is taken to the third round. He wasn't he's sort of past that point where the team's like truly committed to him. Like you see teams kind of move on from third round picks all the time. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn immediately gets buried. Like sometimes these third round picks, the team is quick to be like, Nope, he wasn't who we thought. Oops. And they happen to have another guy right behind him who they like better. They're playing ahead of him. They have a clear preference for so much of the draft capital is opportunity uh, especially at the running back position, and that opportunity has flipped. So I want to be following that. And if I had like a better prospect profile with Sermon, who I wasn't as into as a prospect, I don't think he's a bad prospect, but I just think he's like not really separating from Mitchell once you take that draft capital element away. And at this point, I think we we should take it away, and we should actually the way I'm viewing it, we should the team commitment element is now to the Mitchell side. So, Amico, on Travis Etienne, I mean, he just seems really hard to value. I've heard this injury, you know, he could pose some problems still long-term. And I also wonder if there's any concern where, like, the team was forced to play James Robinson. They didn't want to. And then James Robinson's just doing really well again. Um, so what do, you, what do you, how do you feel about Etienne? I know some of this, like, so team-specific. Like, obviously, like, if you're rebuilding, yeah. like, oh, you probably get Etienne kind of cheap relatively. And if 
you're you know going for it this year you're you have, you don't have much use for them but it's just in a vacuum yeah i mean i i just prefer to be on the more cautious end with etn like the whole reason we draft running backs early in dynasty is because they get that production right away so i mean you're already losing a season right off the top with etn uh he has an injury that is difficult to come back from at least and i'm not a doctor like it's just stuff that i read like yeah, he could re-injure it or he could have some long-term issues. You know, James Robinson continues to play really well. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with his coaching staff next year. Like, I mean, if they if they dump Urban Meyer, which I think that they will, if he doesn't just leave and go to USC on his own, like, he's going to – like, a, a new coach isn't going to have any real loyalty to ETN. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I, it just feels like this guy that we really liked a few months ago, like, we're already kind of – throwing a needle on a little bit to get the value that we want, you know, within the first couple of seasons. So I'm going to try to stay away from that as much as I can. I mean, I, I haven't checked the market to see if we're lower than the market, but I, I would like to think that we are. And, and that's kind of how I'd like it to be. I would take him. I would have taken him next. Yeah. That's about where I think that's exactly where Miko has him ranked right now in our ranks um, would have been next. If had we kept going like just ahead of Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I take him ahead of Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall's not done anything. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. The, I got it, and I, well, let, let's go to the running backs. Then I have a Terrace Marshall question. Like, I just want to get Pat like your final thoughts if you have anything on like Gainwell, Carter, or Ramondre that's worth noting. If not, I have a uh, Marshall question. I mean, Gainwell, like, I was actually one of the guys in in the ship chasing Discord was talking about Gainwell um, and just saying like we should be more excited than than we generally are about him um, and I think he's got a point because we're uh, you know heading into the draft I thought Gainwell was going to be a second round pick and I thought he should be a second round pick and then he goes into the fifth so that considerably lowered what I you know was willing to, to pay for him in dynasty drafts and um, what I thought, you know, he would ultimately deliver as an NFL player, but he's already showing that he's a real weapon as a receiver. Now he's on a team that's throwing a ton. Um, I could see him, you know, basically taking over that backfield in like a DeAndre Swiftian kind of way. Uh, that's kind of, I think that's probably his true upside scenario, but I think there's a path to that. Uh, and I think he's talented and, you know, he led the, the he led the uh, the class in yards per route run uh, at the running back position, and now he's immediately successful as a receiver. So there's a uh, there's reasons to be pretty excited about Gainwell. I I struggle with him versus Carter. I mean Carter's also kind of taking over that backfield. I guess it really just comes down to like how bad the Jets are going to be going forward because Carter's got a clear path to like being the guy, but he might be the guy in a way that's like very unappealing. Um, and then Elijah yeah. Mitchell, I have, I actually have Elijah Mitchell over Gainwell and Carter right now. Uh, Mostert's a free agent after the year. I just think that the 49ers could just end up committing to Mitchell in a way where we get really excited. So um, he's kind of a guy that I'm willing to kind of be ahead on. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I have him ahead of Gainwell and, and Carter and Stevenson. I have Stevenson last of those guys right now. Um it seems like the path they're putting him on is more of like a Damian Harris backup path as opposed to having really any shot of a James White role. And one of the things I liked about Stevenson is I thought he had paths to both of those. If he's just kind of a Damian Harris pigeonholed guy, he's a lot less interesting. So um, I'm not out on him, but I have him behind the other guys. So my Terrace Marshall question is what to do with players who – we really, first of all, Terrace Marshall was someone that started to become kind of popular pre-draft among like the analytics circles a little bit as we looked at some of his production and accounting for his teammates at LSU and then like just like his profile. Then he gets drafted in a pretty good spot where we're, ex- we're excited. The, the draft capital was solid. And then he flashes in the preseason he gets on the field in the regular season. You know, his snaps are going up. Part of that's due to the CMC injury. But he's just not doing anything with being on the field. So it's like this really weird, like there's so many things like in a row that seem like they're going well, but he's just not doing anything with the opportunity. So it's kind of hard for me to know 
Like, should I feel neutral about what's happened? Should I feel worse? I mean, I guess I feel a little bit worse just because there's some good things going on with other players that have surpassed him. So uh, I'll throw that to you, Pat, because I know we had talked about Terrace Marshall in the offseason a little bit. I feel worse about Terrace Marshall for sure. I mean, he's been out there. He's run 142 routes. He's run around on 70% of dropbacks. That's good. Like, we want these guys to get out on the field. But, you know, he's get he's getting the slot role that we got excited about. You remember his ADP, like, spiked up in best ball because he's going to be <laughs> playing the big slot, you know? Well, he is playing the big slot. He's played 66% of his snaps in the slot. He's a 0.75 yards per route run. That's horrible. He's got a 14% targets per route run. That's really bad. He's got a 5.4 yards per target, which, like, the fact that that's bad is maybe a good thing because it gives him, you know, a pretty decent way to quickly rebound. But he isn't earning opportunity, even though he's out there all the time. Robbie Anderson's going to be there now. Like, the fact, you know, that he signed that extension is also bad because that was one of the paths to Marshall gaining value is that Anderson leaves. Now we get to project him for more entering year two. He's like a very trendy year two breakout guy. I'm not sure that he becomes that guy in kind of the dynasty marketplace now. And you're going to need him to produce now, which is always a bad position to be in, right? Anytime you need your players to produce, you're probably going to start losing a lot of value because you know, you're going to be wrong about a fair amount of your players actually producing fantasy points this is the position we're in now with Marshall. We need him to start showing something. Um, so I'd be I'd be hesitant to take him on uh, at this point. Now I'm not completely out, but it's 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 definitely like I think a concerning situation for Terrace Marshall. So that's most of the first two round players. I guess the other one's Diami Brown, who in some ways, Amico, there's some comps to Terrace Marshall where like Brown saw the field, you know, before he was hurt and just didn't per- like it was really exciting that he saw the field yeah. early i know pat and i have him on an nfc team we're like oh this is great you know this curtis samuel's not going to play he's gonna be able to see, see the field right away like maybe he'll flash and then he just didn't so uh, somewhat in the same vein how do you you feel about brown and then i kind of feel like that's like the core of like guys that go in the first two rounds and if you guys have anybody else you want to talk about we can yeah i mean i i i just want to see what the long-term quarterback situation is honestly like i'm not Super sold and Curtis Samuel being like a target hog. Obviously, Terry McLaurin's awesome. So, and Logan Thomas has a decent role. So, like, Diane Brown has to do what he did in college, which is be extremely efficient. Uh, and we want him to get a decent amount of targets in, in a good offense. So, we, we need to see the quarterback play. I mean, I I was excited before the season to see him with Fitz because I, I just think of Fitz as being this just like nuclear, like airball kind of guy that like would get the ball to Diami Brown. I don't really think Taylor Heineke's that guy. So I want to see Brown play with Fitz, you know, when and if he comes back or like with whatever quarterback is last year, is there next year. But um, definitely like still a strong hold for me. Like, I don't think that, I don't think he was like aggressively overpriced in the drafting, in the draft process. And I don't think that he's like moved a ton now. I think he's just kind of is what he is. Um and then I, I thought I think he was only, a huge bargain. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, if anything, he was, anything, he was on the cheap end. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like you didn't really lose anything because it's probably where he should have gone, but you didn't you didn't get the win that you had kind of hoped for. The thing I'll say about him is, like, so I talk about the Tars per outrun with Terrace Marshall at 14%. Uh, Diamond Brown has an even lower Tars per outrun at 13%. <laughs> but Terrace Marshall has an 8 out of 6 Right? He's getting all these shallow routes, and he's still not getting any targets. At least, Diamond Brown is a deep threat. Uh, he is a very, very deep A dot of fourteen point three. So he's a true deep threat. He's not getting targeted deep. That could, to Amico's point, have something to do with the quarterback situation. Maybe we get Fitzpatrick willing to chuck it to him deep. Maybe he's learned a, a few things in the weeks that he got to play without Fitzpatrick. Yep. And uh, dare, dare I say, Diamond Brown better in your best ball dynasties. <laughs> dare you say that's it. true you, you dared to say it all right pat anything else you got like any particular buy or sell either someone we talked about you feel strongly about or anybody else you want to mention who we didn't talk about um let's see we've got i mean chuba hubbard i think is someone who's like he's never it's basically anytime you get to like the chuba hubbard level 
you've run out of players to draft because you're just drafting like a handcuff forever. But those guys do have value, and I think after everyone we talked about, that's where we are. We're we're where I would take Chuba Hubbard. Um, the mm-hmm. only other guy maybe is um, Nico Collins is coming back. You know, it's like they don't have anyone besides Brandon Cooks, but he didn't show much before he got hurt. Uh, I'm gonna run St. Brown. I'm not that into Tylen Wallace. I feel like missed a big opportunity here to show anything. Uh, what about Pat Phil Helmuth. Yeah, I'm not that into Pat Phil Helmuth. Tommy Tremble. You know, not that yeah. into. Uh, I think we're kind of out of guys. It's a it's a shallow class. Uh, we did get Elijah Mitchell as as kind of the dude who popped from the late the late round guys. But At Davis this point, Mills. I think I take Hubbard. Uh yeah, okay. Um, now I take Hubbard first. <laughs> Davis Mills last week on Prize Picks had a over under passing prop of 162 yards. Wow. Which uh, forced me to take the Davis Mills over, which uh, he and hit. then I lost. He, hit, I lost because I took it. I took it with Cooks over. I was like, "Well, if Mills gets there, Cooks will get there." And then he like doubles his prop, and Cooks doesn't even come close. So that was disappointing. Um, but yeah, didn't Amico, you, I need, didn't you know that uh, Belichick takes away the number one option? Oh, <laughs> I forgot about. You never, you never. I heard thought that was gonna be David Johnson. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if I was Belichick, that's who I would have taken it. <laughs> Amico, any parting thoughts? Anybody you know want a flag plan or any anybody we didn't talk about you just want to mention? I mean, it's not a flag plan, but I, I will stump for Mills a little bit harder just because, um, I mean, this quarterback class, this upcoming season doesn't seem to be that great. Um, Houston did take Mills with their first pick, their first availability in, in the past draft. Granted, it was uh, late on day two. Um, but... Like, there's definitely a chance that he starts next year. You know, I mean, Houston already has a game won. There's a couple teams that might not win a game. Um, they might win a couple more. I mean, they're, they're, like, not playing to lose. Like, it seems like they're definitively trying to win games. Now they're not that good. But, I mean, if they finish the season with two or three wins, like, I don't know. Like, if there is a good quarterback in this class, they probably can't get him. And I'm not sure that they'll go there. Like, uh, two years from now, it's, it sounds like the quarterback's going to be a lot better. Um, you know, why not just roll out Mills again? You can be bad. You can kind of follow the model that like Detroit and Cleveland have done where it's like we build the rest of the roster. Then we take the quarterback. Um, so Mills, to me, like he's still pretty cheap. And he's a guy that I think at minimum is going to get you a few starts now. But, you know, it could get you like a season and a half of starts. And that's, I mean, that's going to have some value. Yeah. And we we do play in some deeper leagues that are best ball, like super flex, you know, tight end premium, like where we're not making transactions throughout the season. And with the best ball facet, I think like any quarterback who starts like has a little bit more valuable than even like a regular super flex league. You have to, that's managed. It just, so if you're in that type of league, especially, I think, you know, the value proposition goes up a little bit on mills just cause like just getting quarterback starts is such a big deal in a, in a league that deep. That's a good point. I think they're starting Taylor over him when he gets back, right? So it's. Are we sure? Yeah. I hope well, so. That's what they said. Listen, I got, I got, uh, I, I got to roll Terod Taylor out in uh, our. We're, we're all together in an auction, Superflex Best Ball League, which Pat has all my future picks in. So. Yeah, uh, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> and me and me, well, me and Amico are uh, competing up top while Pat's just salivating over out tanking davis and then doing it in a much better way which will be I mean, like that's one done of the greatest like things. that's already done like he's already <laughs> <It's> davis. A... <laughs> pat when you win that league before davis it'll be better than if i ever win the league. <laughs> well yeah it, it does look pretty good for that to happen doesn't it i mean <laughs> i'm feeling okay about that um all right i, I, I think i have Kadarius sony in that league by the way hey there you let's go let's go I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Uh, you also got me to drunkenly trade you a first and a second for Matt Ryan. So congratulations, oh, yes. Matt. <laughs> I forgot. I hope you're happy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure you check out Pat's work over at NBC Sports Edge. Does a ton of great work 
over there. And also make sure to check out Anthony Amico's rankings on Establish the Run. He updates those each week. I'm about to go yell at him and force him to put Elijah Mitchell a little bit higher um, just because I'm obsessed with Elijah Mitchell. So, but that'll do it for us on this week's edition of Establish the Edge. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Please give a video a like if you are listening or watching on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast, also, you know, like, subscribe, do all those things on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. Appreciate it, everybody.